0: I think it's good every once in a while to check in with ourselves, pray until you feel like God is just right there, and then study your Bible until you are in it deep. That's what it's going to take to beat this world. That is really what it's going to take to be ready for the soon coming of the Lord. It is going to be constantly. Examining your heart, examining your soul, examining your mind, examining your strength to be sure that all of those are lining up in 100% love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is going to take you determining I am not going to let my flesh control me, I'm not going to let my carnality guide me, but I am going to be spirit led. We've got to be in touch with heaven. We've got to be in touch with the spirit world. And I think anybody and everybody can get to that level to have a connection with God, a connection with his word, and just be able to tap into the spirit very, very, very quickly. That's how it's going to work out. If you're struggling, your flesh is out of control. If you have sin in your life, You're sick and tired of repenting of it Sunday after Sunday, conference after conference, revival after revival, only to go back to it. Your flesh is out of control. And so what I would suggest to you is conquer your flesh by uplifting the spirit and taking your knowledge of the word to a deeper, deeper level. And I created this podcast to help primarily young dudes. That's who I think about whenever I whenever I originally made this, but then I, I realized that there's a lot of ladies out there that've got a call of God on their life, and they want to go deep in the word of the Lord in prayer and ministry. And so we've brought in this audience and brought in this content for seasoned saints, for newer believers, for men, for women, for pre- preachers, for pastors, uh, for uh, anybody out there. Whether in the youth group or your superintendent, this content is for you to go high in the spirit and to go deep into the Word of God. You know, there was, there's been a lot of crisis this um, decade the pandemic, the wars, the uncertainty. Uh, this is an election year, a lot of things are being. Uh, predicted that will happen. And it just who really knows? That's just kind of how I feel. What is next? What is next? <laughs> but uh, my Bible tells me don't worry about what is next. When you begin to see everything going wrong and the world falling apart, do not fret, but look up for your redemption draws nigh. And so I feel to begin, I guess we could call it a series. Some people like them, some people don't. Most of the time, I've been pretty episodic with, with this. You can just start right in and just start listening. You don't have to know about what I've talked about in the past. You can just start listening. But I feel to start a series, we'll see how it goes, but I want to talk about the tabernacle or the a temple. A lot of good messages out there about it, a lot of good teachings, books, uh, prayer patterns have been constructed after the uh, tabernacle. Uh, Most of your Bible studies out there, going back decades ago, all started uh, with that tabernacle plan and would would lead you through it and, and show you a picture of the cross through the tabernacle that the priest would go through. And I'm picking the tabernacle because the tabernacle was not an invention of Moses, but rather it was created by God in heaven. And the tabernacle bears a resemblance on the earth from what was originally designed and constructed in heaven. You read in your Bible, Exodus chapter number 25 and verse 40. The word says Moses was shown a pattern on how to build the tabernacle. That pattern is the temple that is in heaven. Look at Hebrews chapter 8 verses 1 through 6. Jesus Christ is our high priest of the heavenly tabernacle. It's a copy and shadow of what Moses had. Jesus Christ now does in the heavens. So I'm pretty literal when it comes to the Bible. (laughs) I think God, in revealing heavenly things to Moses, allowed him to see heaven. Just as John saw it in Revelation, Moses saw it too. He said, I want you to construct a tabernacle on earth just like you've seen in heaven. And he did it. Man. John saw it in heaven too. He saw the ark in heaven. He saw an altar in heaven. He saw a big sea of water. He saw the golden candlesticks that Jesus appeared in front of. He saw all of this. He saw an altar of incense. All of it, it is all up there in heaven, in the heavenly temple. You know, when the Bible says we'll be kings and priests with him for all eternity, uh, we'll have to get to the king portion another time, but priests, what are we going to do? We're going to serve in the temple just like a priest. (laughs) It's a great life. And so I think there is something to be learned for us New Testament believers, us Oneness Pentecostals here in the year 2024 about the tabernacle and how to be a priest, and we'll go as long as necessary on this, because I really just feel like our personal walks with God need to really increase. And the tabernacle is not a congregational thing. It's really become more of like an individual, solitary, spiritual experience, right? so that's what we're going to do. So you need to be digging into the uh, Old Testament, New Testament. Get out your Bible concordance. I think if you're not using Bible concordances, you are missing out on a great tool, a phenomenal tool. Just type in Tabernacle. Look at all the scriptures. See what you can get. Uh, Then type in Temple because the name of it kind of changed a little bit here and there. Start digging and start learning. Get off social media and get into the scriptures. All right. So quit spending so much time with your boyfriend And get in your Bible <laughs> The Bible says God loves A cheerful giver Take God's love to another level in your life By giving to the ministry of this podcast Give an offering through Cash App PayPal or Venmo At Justin C. Gleason Thanks and be blessed Run away, run away Run away, run away Don't change. Okay, so let's talk about the first thing you would have seen walking into that tabernacle. It was called the altar of burnt offering. The construction, the plan of it, was seen in Exodus 27. Uh, the altar—it's—it's it's all over the Bible. A lot of uh, writings about the altar. You notice, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob—they didn't build a—they didn't build a table of showbread. Uh, They didn't build golden candlesticks. They didn't build lavers of of water. They didn't build arcs. You know what they built? Altars. It is foundational. It is key. After your preacher preaches, do you come (laughs) uh, forward to the menorah? Well, sometimes I do spiritually, but no, you don't. Really, you, you go to the altar. It's the altar. That's the first place you hit. Okay? Uh, it, it, was a, it was a place of, uh, where, where a lot of people that got in trouble went and fled to for safety. <laughs> like uh, Adonijah and Joab, they were in trouble. They ran in the tabernacle, the temple, grabbed a hold of those horns on the altar <laughs> you know, so they wouldn't be killed. So, yeah, Adonijah and Joab both did this, uh, trying to flee from uh, the king, Solomon. So it's where they were trying to get forgiveness of sins that's what I think a lot of people use the temple for and the tabernacle for. They're just running there to get a hold of that altar. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. And they stop right there. I get it. You should do that. You should run to the altar where you're in trouble when you're in trouble. You know, The priest put uh, the blood of the sacrifice on the horns of the altar, you know, trying to get a hold of the blood, trying to find redemption. But I really don't think you, if you're really treating the temple, the tabernacle, as God intended it to, you shouldn't be running to it for. Uh, you know to stop the judgment of God You should be living a life That the judgment of God is nowhere near You should be living in the fear of the Lord Where his mercy and his grace is flowing So uh, stay in the tabernacle Serve it Be a part of it everyday spiritually Stay in prayer, stay in the word And you won't have to be doing these Constant running to the altar on Sunday night God forgive me, forgive me You know, I'll never watch porn again. Then you're back on it on Monday. God, I'll never smoke pot again. Then you're back on it Sunday night. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Don't be like Adonijah and Joab with the altar. Running to it for, um, I guess, uh, a last um, moment of... uh, You know what, I'm just going to move on. You get the point here. We need to be treating the tabernacle with a relationship approach. You know, not at a last-minute resort. Save me now, please. It's not working out. Day in and day out in the temple. So the altar of sacrifice, it is a place of salvation. It is a place of uh, dying out to oneself. you got to be a living sacrifice on that altar, Right. But I think really in your mind, if you're going to pray the tabernacle prayer, you're going to live as a priest day in and day out in that temple, in your spirit, in your soul, in the word, and disciple-making, all of that. The burnt offering for me, I got a revelation of this years ago. It is a picture of hell, is what it is. You know, they slit the throat of, of a sacrifice, a bull, a lamb, and dump it in the fire. What is that? That's hell. Torment. Torture. Burning. Day in and day out. And it was meant to be a picture for all the priests and the people seeing that it really should have been you getting your throat slit and you burnt. But instead, your sins were put upon something else. And that's something else for us is the Lord Jesus Christ. He got his body all slit up. He died and he went to hell. He felt the fire of it. He felt the darkness of it. He felt the torment of it. But because hell tried to take the soul of an innocent man, hell was judged. And Christ came walking up out of that grave. (laughs) Come on, somebody. He already went down there for you. He already paid the price for you. So the blood of that sacrifice is now upon you. You're now innocent. You're now justified, you're now redeemed, and you don't have to go down there into that into that fiery pit. So you need to be thinking about hell. We don't think about it enough. I'm thinking about preaching more and more about it uh, with a lot of hope (laughs) and a lot of love and a lot of truth and a lot of grace, (laughs) but we got to preach about it. Jesus talked about it. I don't think, so why can't we? So uh, yeah, hell is real. Hell is real. So uh, think about this when you're also at the altar, another in-depth insight. There's a lot of blood. And then right after that is the labor of water. That's where the blood is washed, with water. A lot of blood and water language is also there. We'll come back to that here in a minute. But keep that in mind. Fire, blood, water. Sounds a lot like the book of Acts, right? But uh, also, I think the altar of uh, sacrifice is a picture of um, a revelation, a lot of prophetic language. Uh, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. Great signs will be seen. And something that I want you to keep your eyes on in the future is the soon-coming third temple that will be constructed. I don't think it's going to be constructed up there on um, on the uh, Temple Mount where those two Muslim mosques are. I think it'll be further down in the old city of David, Mount Zion. That's where it's going to be constructed. That's where a lot of the prophets foresaw. They saw the raising up of David's tabernacle. That's what will happen, and they will sacrifice again, and great signs will be seen in the last day in blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. So stay around that altar, not in desperation, but just keep that sacrifice going, and that is the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Never forget what he did on Calvary. And then you just be a living sacrifice, died out to the Lord keeping your flesh on fire, (laughs) burning out all of that carnality, and if you will do that, you will be spirit-led. So that's the altar. Think about those things when you pray. Think about those things when you live. Keep your mind on what that altar looked like, a lot like hell. You don't want to go there. All right, so after they would do the sacrifice, the priest would move on to the laver of water. Okay? Uh so yeah they would uh, the priests would atone for their own sins um, on through the sacrifice but then also a part of how they could approach God was through that laver of water they couldn't just have blood and fire and vapor smoke they had to have water so they did a ritual cleansing with that laver before they entered into the uh holy place something kind of interesting is that laver of water it was not constructed out of uh shittim wood <laughs> Or acacia wood, probably better translation, but or neither gold, but it was uh, constructed out of um, it was bronze. Bronze mirrors uh, brought by the ladies. Uh, my wife and I uh, have been talking about this. There were ladies that served in the temple every day, and they usually served around that laver of water, and they were the ones with their mirrors that constructed the laver of water. Uh, really, really interesting. Ladies uh, helped uh, the priests serve. Uh, in the temple and entertain the uh, presence of the Lord. Okay, so uh, I know all you ladies in ministry are are jumping up and shouting right now. I believe in uh, ladies in ministry. Always have. Uh, I guess I just, um, I don't know, I just didn't buy into the whole feminist approach <laughs> that really rose up a few years ago. Where a lot of ladies were trying to be treated not equal with men, but better than men. (laughs) So, you know what? I'll stop right there. That movement has kind of come and gone. We've got real women of God uh, with good hearts and good spirits and with great motives preaching and teaching the word of the Lord. So, the labor of water is interesting. It's the only uh, piece of temple furniture where no measurements were given, it was trusted. Uh, by the ladies and the priests that constructed it on what size it should be. Uh, Another thing about it is it had no staves. Everything else had these poles that were put into these little brackets and it was carried, but there was nothing mentioned about that. We have no idea how it was carried. It's very, very mysterious, the construction of it and the use of it. It's almost like I don't know how to describe it. It there was it was left to I guess the discretion of the people and God trusted him with that, which is really interesting. A lot of church stuff is nowadays. Uh but the point was you got to be washed. They would wash their head, their hands, their feet and get ready to be clean in uh going to the presence of the Lord. So uh it was the uh place of cleansing and also the place of consecration, you know, Moses dumped water from the slaver all down uh, Aaron to consecrate him as the high priest. Uh, and then they did the same thing um, uh, from from Aaron uh, to Eleazar, his son. Same thing from Eleazar to the next high priest, to the next high priest, to the next high priest. That's how they consecrated priests. Uh, in the New Testament, you had a religious group called the Essenes, which is probably where John the Baptist came from, of that group. They were, uh, most of them were priests, some were just uh, very passionate uh, about God and about the word and about Israel and the promises and the covenants and all of that. And they joined the priest and formed their own groups outside of Jerusalem because they, the, the priesthood had become so corrupt, probably where John, the cousin of Jesus, uh, came from that group. They did what was called mikvah, they constantly immersed themselves in water to be cleansed and to be pure. This labor of water is where baptism came from, to be cleansed, to be holy, to be washed, to be made pure. John, having been a priest, he probably was consecrated there in the temple. And his father ministered there in the temple. It's where he saw an angel. It's where a lot of angels appeared was in that temple. You get your mind deep into the word of God, start living a life like a priest in the temple, you'll have angels show up. That I can tell you, believe me. John probably was washed in that laver. So what is he doing? Not washing people in the laver, but washing people in the Jordan River. And who steps in? A man from the tribe of Judah. Jesus of Nazareth steps in and God told John, I'm going to give you a sign. Whoever you see the spirit coming down like a dove on, that's the chosen one. Jesus comes down and John sees it, bears witness of it. Whoa, this is Messiah. I shouldn't be baptizing him. He should baptize me. But Jesus said, suffer it to be so now to fulfill all righteousness. I need to be baptized of you. And looking deep into the Bible, I think what's going on here is this was Jesus' way of being introduced and brought in to the priesthood to fulfill righteousness. Because he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And if he's going to be priest, he's got to do what a priest does. And that's how he got brought into the priesthood. So from Moses to Aaron to Eleazar, all of the high priest, I think Jesus was the 70th. If I'm not mistaken, I've got a list somewhere. (laughs) John being the 69th, baptized Jesus, boom, he is brought into the priesthood. Jesus then baptizes his disciples, his disciples then baptize many of us. On and on through history, John Sheppy got the revelation of it. Most of us can probably trace our Jesus name baptism back to him somehow so here we are baptized in jesus name immersed by water you and i are brought into the priesthood and you and i are then washed every day should be by the spirit and by the word amen so you have fire blood and water jesus is on the cross as a sacrifice bleeding suffering on wood and uh, what comes out of his body with that spear, blood and water. He's experiencing the outer court right there on the cross. Mm. Then he goes down into hell and experiences the fire. So don't let those little flannel graphs that you saw as a kid growing up. Well, probably most of your generation, you generation, you millennials and you Z's don't know what I'm talking about. But for us, I identify more as an X. That's what I was told my whole life. I'm an ex. I remember life before the internet, and I remember flannel graphs. Those little flannel graphs of the temple and tabernacle, those little people being pulled on and off of there. Don't let that ruin it for you. You get deep into prayer, you'll feel it and see it. As a New Testament priest, sacrifice and washing and experiencing all of those in the outer court before you go into the holy place, Is a great way to be clean, a great way to be pure, a great way to be separated and set apart. Keep these things in your spirit. That's why it's important to pay tithe. That's how you sacrifice. That's why it's important to fast. That's how you keep that flesh low and that spirit high. Stay loyal to the doctrine. Stay loyal and humble about it. Walk away from Jesus' name baptism. I don't believe in second baptisms, but I just believe in staying around that baptism tank. From time to time during church and worship, I love just to look at that tank, the moving and the troubling of the water. I know souls are about to get in there and be baptized, but I just like to think about me. I like to look at that altar, I like to look at that baptism tank. It's visual, it's right there. Spend time with it. Before you try to run and get into that Ark of the Covenant, Why don't you clean yourself up? Sacrifice a little bit. Plead the blood over your life. Get washed up. Get your mind clean. Get your heart clean. Get your soul clean. Get ready because we're about to go into the tabernacle. We'll speak with you next week about it. Stay tuned for the second segment. The Justin Siegliezen Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Press follow and become a loyal listener. Give a five star rating and write a great review. You can also get more content from me at the Life Church KC podcast. You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. It's hard to find good news these days the news is just horrible even read like Christian news web pages news Christian news apps nothing exciting it's always something sad you know the (laughs) some preacher came out as they're gay somebody had an affair some church closed their doors well sadly there was a church shooting Lakewood Church in Houston, Pastor Joel Osteen. I I don't get it. I mean, evil can happen anywhere. Violence can happen anywhere these days. But Joel Osteen, that church, I don't think he's ever talked about hell. I don't think he's ever talked about anybody being lost. That church, their vision is to uplift and to encourage and to preach how somebody can gain the whole world. I don't know about how much about how to gain your soul, but how to gain the whole world. You know, it's very uh, affirming, a very positive and encouraging environment. No controversy at all. I've never heard him get political. It's just really like Zig Ziglar stuff. Power of positive thinking. Motivational. And then right at the very end, he does the sinner's prayer. Actually, you know, I don't think Joel Osteed does a sinner's prayer. He doesn't say, I'm a sinner. He just simply says, Lord, come into my life. I want to make you my Lord. I receive you now in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. We believe you've been born again. You know, that's it. So he's, he's, he's got good stuff. He's got a good message. It's no reason he's got an enormous church and a big TV presence. It's just positive and just uplifting. So I don't understand this shooting, why that would happen. Normally, these preachers out there that get really political and really um, dogmatic about, um, I guess, social issues and politics and things like that. There's the they're the ones that usually attract the violent, the hecklers, all of that. But I guess they're coming after Joel Osteen. But yeah, there was a shooter that came in there during their Spanish service. Spanish service. You can uh, read all about it. But a lady walked in. Uh, with her child and opened fire with, with a rifle. And thank God for church security that did what they had to do to protect that church and to protect the people. Okay? So, uh, it's and that's crazy. And I know churches across America, they're upping their church security. But I just want to say... How does where, where? How does somebody get to that place where their mind is just so enraged? And we still don't know all the details. I know that they say that there was a, a pro-Palestine uh, sticker on that rifle. So it could have been motivated uh, with the Hamas and Israel war. But I just want to tell all of you, there's a reason Jesus told us to watch and to pray. That is the key there to watch and pray. It doesn't just say pray. It doesn't say just watch. You've got to watch and pray. They both work together. Do not let go of your natural sense of surveillance is what Jesus is saying. And I'm worried a lot of people have because a lot of people have lost their natural surveillance because of diversity training. That's right. I said it, and I'll say it again, because of diversity training. We are taught to look the other way and to make no judgments. I'm sorry, I don't care what their ancestry is, or their gender, their age, or whatever. If something don't feel right, do not look the other way, but report it. Okay? I think that's what you got to do. That's what Lakewood did, and that's why nobody lost their life that day in that church. So I want to say a big shout out to all the church security workers out there, all of the ushers and all of the uh, saints out there that have done, taken matters and have done what they've done uh, in training and becoming a protector out there. We really appreciate you. So uh, here in Kansas City, it's it's uh, a sad time, a joyous time. There's just a lot of mixed emotions. There was a shooting at the uh, Super Bowl parade. You may have heard of it. Uh, Police are doing a great job discovering why this happened. Just senseless violence. But there's just hate in the air. That's why there's so much global instability. That's why our cities are uh, being destroyed with violence and crime right now. It's because of hate. And uh, I thank God for police. I thank God for uh, law enforcement. And I thank God for just strict laws in some pockets of the country that are putting a stop to this violence. But uh, right now, because of who is in leadership right now, our our civil authorities, um, a lot of gang violence, a lot of crime is happening. (coughs) Uh, Just because they're not being hard on it. They're letting letting it happen. It's sad. It really is. So continue to pray, continue to watch, keep an eye on these things. So uh, hopefully uh, things will get better. So I want to end with uh, talking about your Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. I'm telling you, what a game. The Chiefs, uh, they're they're starting to be hated. Everybody's hating them because they're so good. (laughs) That's how losers treat winners. They just hate us. (laughs) Right? But uh, the Chiefs are so fun to watch. Um, very rarely do they just come in and just blow out their opponent. No, it's got to be a good game. It's got to be a nail-biter all the way to the end. That's just, when, that's just how Mahomes is. He starts throwing touchdowns when he has to. <laughs> so, I'm kind of fast and the furious about it. Winning is winning, whether by an inch or by a mile. But that was a good game. Goodness gracious. And I love a lot of the interviews. You know what they were, the whole. Uh, a lot of the Chiefs were saying? They said we had a lot of uh, adversity this season, a lot of adversity, but we kept on playing, we kept on going, we kept on uh, just giving it our all. And uh, I liked that. I liked that attitude. You know, they talked about their struggles, open and honest about it. You know, not out, everything is just perfect in the NFL. I know because they're, you know, you watch it. They just, they, they look like their lives are amazing. No, let me tell I've I've been to a NFL chapel service. Uh, my dad was asked to be the chapel, chaplain speaker for the Denver Broncos one year. They came, they came here to Kansas City. And uh, he brought me and he brought my brother. And when I walked in there, I thought it would be like exciting and, you know, a lot of uh, hype and energy. No, it's actually really depressing and a lot of pressure. They live in pressure, day in and day out, to win and to perform. And uh, there's a lot to learn from that for your life, you know, and your walk with God and the things that you that it takes to accomplish, and to keep on moving and to keep on going forward. And uh, if you're up against something, don't think it's because you're weird. Don't think it's because some a uh, random thing had to happen to you and why may god <laughs> keep on fighting keep on prevailing keep on working hard and that's how you win no matter what okay so uh we're excited for Kansas City uh <laughs> you know on Super, on Super Bowl Sunday I, I um uh I called it Super Sunday and I had my dad preach first time to preach in 2024, and we did a Holy Ghost emphasis service. We had seven people get the Holy Ghost that day. It was awesome. And I get, <laughs> I get up there, and a worship service was good. People are in it, but I look out, and I see so many chief shirts in our audience. And so I know people have got the game on their mind, and I got up there, and I said, before we do that, that chief chop, we need to be raising our hands unto the Lord. <laughs> and I said, before we do that, oh, oh we need to do the sha-tamosha. And I said, don't nobody get too excited and dump a big uh, big cooler of Gatorade on Bishop after service. <laughs> the place fell out. It was so funny. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of excitement around here in uh, Kansas City. So, I love my team. You know, they were terrible for most of my life. So, I'm enjoying it while I can while they're good because you never know what will happen all right so listeners i love you very very much stay in the word stay in prayer be watchful keep your eyes open don't let the tempter don't let the tempter win in your life but keep on battling and keep on fighting keep your spirit at a high level and your flesh at a low level i'm justin gleason your host signing out